in Psalms when it says this in Psalms chapter 78 and verse 8. And might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. They were stubborn. They were, they, they, they were a rebellious generation. That's what happens. That's where we get. That's, that's where we go when our spirits are not right. We, begin, we become rebellious. Oh, hallelujah. That's why David would say, God, renew in me a right spirit. See, here's what you got to get. Here was a man, the Bible says, who was after God's own heart. But he knew that all men were created with a spirit within them that would live on after they died. He knew that, he, he knew that it, it took the working of God in their lives to cause that spirit to be a right spirit. So he prayed, renewing me a right spirit. We all have spirits. It's just a matter of whether it's going to be a wrong spirit or a right spirit. And it's the working of the Holy Ghost. It's the working of God in us that causes that spirit to be right. And the things that, that, that allow the Holy Ghost to make that spirit right and proper is praying and fasting and reading His Word and coming to church and being faithful in these areas. Because this is how God speaks to us and talks to us. Oh, hallelujah. Renew in me the spirit that's pleasing to you and obedient to all of your commands. Renew in me the spirit that loves your word and loves coming to your house. Renew in me a spirit that loves righteousness and loves holiness and, and loves godliness. Renew in me a spirit that longs to follow after your will and after your way. That's the kind of spirit that I want to have within me. That's the kind of spirit that I want to have. I don't want to have a rebellious spirit. I don't want to have a contrary spirit. I want to have a right spirit. Oh, hallelujah. So there's so much more that we could talk about on this subject of, uh, of, of the spirit. But for the sake of time, let's move on to the next uh, level of sanctification that we feel to talk about tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Let's look at it again. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your, your whole spirit and soul. Somebody say soul. So we see that the second place that the sanctification process does its work is in our soul. Begins with the spirit, and then moves to the soul. Our spirits are the part of us that will live throughout eternity. It's the God-conscious part of who we are. That's our spirits. But our souls are different. For our souls are the, it, it, our soul is the, the seat of our affections. It, it's, it's our soul, you got to get this, it, it's the source of our passions, such as love and hate and anger. What do we love? What do we hate? What makes us angry? All of those things, to, to find out those things, you, you would have to trace them all the way back to the soul of a man. Because that's where all of those things stem from. Our souls are the catalyst that drives our sensations and our appetites. Our souls are what directs our propensities for certain things and not other things. It's our soul. Our soul is the source of our desires, our emotions, our active will. 
the thing that makes us do what we do and our, our, our will and our actions first had their inception in our soul and, and then they were acted out through the living. So God's saying, okay, we, 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 we've, we've got your spirit on the right track. Now let's go to work on, your, on the inner you. The soul, the inner you. Let's go to work on your inward man. Let's go to work on those inner desires and those inner passions. Those inner loves and appetites and propensities that are in your life. Let's, let's go to work on those areas that people who are passing you by in the street probably don't notice, but yet make up the totality of who you really are. Your soul. Why you do what you do. Why you react the way you react. What you are passionate about. What you long for. It's your soul. Let's go to work on those appetites that are directing your life quite possibly in the wrong way. In other words, he said, Let, let's work on the inner man. You see, it's, <laughs> it, it's easy to just buy the certain thing that you can wear and therefore look the part on the outside. It's a whole nother thing when God says, no, no, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll, we'll get to that. that. That's important as well. But let, let's, let's dig down deep here into your heart, to your soul. <laughs> now it's a little bit more uncomfortable. So I, I'm going to show you something that quickly here that really brought this home in my own life. And a, a few weeks ago, I was in my, doing my own personal daily devotion. I was just reading reading through the Old Testament, I was up into the book of Ezekiel, and I, and I was reading where God was giving Ezekiel instruction for what the temple would look like. He's standing there in the temple, and, and God's giving him instruction for all this. And so I'm just reading, and, uh, you know, there was no, you know, angels weren't flying around. There was, you know, no music being played, and, you know, just, just me and the Bible, and, and I was tired. Ezekiel 42 and 1, and so I'm just reading this, and it says, Then he brought me forth into the outer, outer court, and the way towards the north, and he brought me into the chamber that was over against the separate place, and which was before the building towards the north. Before the length of a hundred cubits was the north door, and the breadth was fifty cubits. Over against the twenty cubits, which were of for the inner court, and over against the pavement, which was for the outer court, was gallery against gallery in three stories. And before the chambers was a walk of ten cubits, breadth inward, a way of one cubit, and the doors toward the north. And I'm reading this, and I'm just, I'm just going to be completely transparent with you. I, uh, I felt my eyes glazing over. I, Brother Myron, I really wasn't getting a whole lot out of this. But I was just like, you know what, I, I'm in this thing, and i got to get through it. And so I'm just going to keep reading. So I kept reading, and now the upper chambers were shorter, for the galleries were higher than these, than the lower and the middlemost of the building. For they were in three stories, and this was this cubit, and this was this cubit, and on and on, 50 cubits here and 100 cubits there and all this kind of stuff. And by this time, I was just kind of speed reading in hopes of me trying to get to something good. At least that was my thinking. And in my mind, I was, I was thinking that in my mind. Maybe I can kind of skip through some of this and, speak and, get, and get to something good. And, and, and all of a sudden, God just, it wasn't an audible voice, but I just, I felt that still small voice speak to me and said, 
I put that in there so you would understand how serious I am about how I want my temples to look on the inside. And all of a sudden, I thought, that makes sense. God's saying, this has to be 50 cubits, and I want this to be 100 cubits, and this has to be 20 cubits. And, and when you walk from here and you turn from here, I want the door here, and I want this here, and I want this here. And everything is just like this. And God says, why? Because I am very concerned, and I am very passionate about what the inside of my temples look like. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me, Brother Hawks, and I remember very vividly that I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. And just as God did not leave it up to Ezekiel to decide what the inside of the temple was going to look like, he has not left it up to us to decide what the inside of our temple or our inward man should look like. God is very passionate about our inward man. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus would prove this when he said in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but are with full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Watch what he says, verse 28. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within, on the inward man, you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. I care about what's on the inside. Notice, notice, Jesus is not discrediting their outward appearance. Nowhere does he condemn them for looking holy on the outside. You will not find that he condemns their holiness. Look on the outside. The problem he had was that they looked, the way they looked on the outside was not a reflection of how they looked on the inside. That's the problem that he had with them. Their outward holiness was not a reflection and a result of their inward holiness. Somebody said, Amen. And so then all of a sudden, as I'm, as I'm sitting there reading, reading this in, in, in Ezekiel, I, just, I continue to read, and, 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 and you can read it for yourself, but I, I, I went on reading it, and you would see right after he, he talks about and shows Ezekiel all the stuff on, on the inner uh, temple, then he takes him to the outside. He takes him to the outside of the temple, and he begins to give him the dimensions for the outside. But here's what you have to keep in mind. The measurements for the outside of the temple would have simply been a reflection of the measurements that he had established on the inside. Oh, hallelujah. When we're designing the new building and all this stuff. You know, if we, if we were to put, you know, on this side of the, the new building, there's, there's, a, there's a, a nursery, and then it's the audit, auditorium. And, and, and say the nursery's 20 foot, and then the auditorium is, 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 is 50 foot. And then there's a little room behind there, and say that's 30 feet. And so we design all this stuff and lay it out on the inside. Then if we were to go outside and measure it, the outside would be the measurement of what we had already established on the inside. Oh, somebody said amen. See, this is why God deals with the inward man first. Because if the inward man isn't where it should be, then there is nothing to reflect on the outside. If we're not careful, we can fall right into the pharisaical mindset where we start living up to some standards so that everybody will think we're holy when in reality our inward man is far from God. 
Somebody said amen. You, you got all the stuff on the outside, but what is that reflecting? Why is that there? The word of God puts it like this, Second Chronicles 25 and 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but his heart, his inward man, was not right. He did everything outwardly right, but inwardly he was not right. We can live up to a certain standard, but anger, have anger still controlling our lives. Live up to a certain conduct for clothing, but jealousy governs their every move. They act like an apostolic is supposed to act, but they're rebellious to authority and they talk about everybody and they cut everybody down and they talk about everybody behind their back and they gossip. They look the part. They know when to clap and stand and say amen, but their hearts are not right. I don't want to be like that. And I don't want a church like that. This is telling us it's not enough to just do the right things. We've got to be right. It's not enough to look right on the outside. We've got to be right on the inside as well. That's why Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37, Jesus saith unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart. And with all thy soul and with all thy mind. In other words, I want your love for me to originate in the right place, which is the inward man, where your heart, your soul is. I want that love to start there, the inward man. Our desire for holiness shouldn't be just so we measure up to some list. Our desire for holiness should stem from the fact that we have a passionate love for the Lord in the innermost being of who we are. Oh, hallelujah. So now, does that make sense? So now the spotlight is focused on our inward man, and, and here's why. Matthew 15 and 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. What comes out of here didn't originate here. It originated here. And they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders and adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witnesses, blasphemies, all of those things, if we allow them to come to fruition, have all started in our hearts. The reason why it's imperative that we have a clean heart and the reasons why it's so important that we have a pure heart is because the heart or the inward man is the birthplace of sin. It's where it begins. We got to get this. When the devil tempts us, when the devil tempts us, it starts in our hearts. It starts in our inward man first. Then what do we do? We begin to dwell on those sinful thoughts. We begin to dwell on those sinful desires. And it eventually causes us to commit the sin. But it started way before we put our hand to the act or our eye or our ear or whatever. It started way before that. It started all the way back to when that thing first crept up in our hearts. 
Our sinful actions do not just occur on their own. They're, they're first placed into our hearts as a thought or a seed of temptations. And then if our hearts are not right, if our hearts are not pure, then we'll begin to dwell on those things. The seed of adultery was planted long before the act was ever carried out. The seed of pornography was planted long before it was ever carried out. The seed of drug abuse was planted long before. The, the, the seed of lying and cheating and, and, and all this stuff was planted long before it was ever carried out. That's why the book says in James chapter 1 and verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. When that lust, the thing in the heart, is conceived, it brings forth sin, and then sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So first there's the temptation that leads to the lusting after whatever the thing is, and then when we lust, it conceives, uh, it's conceived and it's carried out, and we do that which we have lusted after, and that brings about sin, and if we allow sin to reign, it eventually will bring forth judgment and death in our lives. But it all starts in the inward man. Oh, Hallelujah. So how do we get to the place where our inward man is pure before God? And what, we, what do we have to do in order to make sure that holiness, holiness has first affected our heart and our soul? I'm quickly coming to a close in this first session. But the first thing we need to do is make sure that we are maintaining a life of holiness when it comes to the number one thing that affects our inward man the most. You ready? The number one thing that affects the inward man the most, and that is, do, do this. Our minds. I'm, I'm going I'm to help somebody if, if you'll hear me tonight. All throughout the scripture, you'll find that there is a connection with our minds and our hearts. Our minds and our inward man. 1 Samuel 2.35. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus saith unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. So we see that our heart and our soul, which is our inward man, is directly tied into our minds and our thoughts. Oh, please hear me. Whatever we're thinking about, hear me right now, whatever you think about or dwell on, we are more than likely going to act that thing out. Whatever you dwell on, whatever you think about over a period of time, the Word of God says it like this, First Chronicles 28 and 9, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. What's it saying? It's saying because the Lord sees what is in our inward man, he then understands what we've been putting in our minds. That's what it's saying. Because whatever we've been putting into our minds is going to affect the inward man. And God is saying, because I can see, I can't see, your, your, your husband, your wife, your kids, your friends, your neighbors, they can't see the inward man, but God can see the inward man. And he said, all I got to do is look at your inward man, peer into your inward man, and I can tell you what you've been thinking about. 
I can tell you the thoughts that you have been harboring because it is the thoughts that we dwell on that make up who we are on the inside. Now, obviously, we cannot control every thought that comes into our brain, but we can control on how long it stays there. If a sinful thought enters our mind, I'm, I'm almost done. If a sinful thought enters our mind, that's not sin. If a sinful thought comes and, and, and comes into your mind, that's not sin. But when we act it out in our thoughts and we dwell on it and we allow it to play out, that's when it becomes sin. We are, we are able to control what our minds dwell on. This is why it is so important that we control what stimulates our minds. Age-old saying, garbage in, garbage out. You're going to think about the things that you have put in. That's why it's so important that we guard what we put in. If we're feeding our mind with all kinds of sinful images, that, 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 that's eventually going to turn into sinful thoughts which in turn will cause us to eventually begin feeling a need to enact those things. That's why the book says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence. It means to guard it. With everything within you, guard that inward man. Guard it. Protect it. Don't let anything in there that would allow evil in or sin to enter. Don't allow those thoughts to remain in your mind. Don't, don't, don't allow yourselves to view, to, to, to listen, to, 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 to whatever, to allow those, those thoughts to, to be in your mind, to be captivated as snapshots that are just filed away in this storage bank of your mind that can just be brought up at, at a moment's notice. Don't, don't allow that stuff. Don't, don't allow those things to come into your mind. Don't allow those things. Guard yourself. He says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Somebody said amen. Oh, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, I want my spirit to be right. I want my soul to be right. Somebody said amen. You got five minutes. God bless you.